Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Strength in the Numbers show, which you can find with detailed show notes linking to the relevant resources that will accelerate your career on SITN show slash podcast slash 0010. On today's show, we've Peter Chisambara. Now you could say Peter has accounting and finance in his blood since his father and brother are also accountants and he never really had any other career in mind. And on this show in particular, Peter helps us address some of the scaremongering around Industry 4.0 the impact of all this digital disruption, how we can perhaps embrace the change that's going on. And he does go into detail around the impacts of blockchain, robotic process automation, and how we can stay relevant as a profession and add value to our businesses. He was also very candid and shares his thoughts about how he managed the transition from going from practice to industry. And if you're ever looking to start blogging or writing articles on LinkedIn, he shares some very practical baby steps on how to start that contribution process. So it was absolutely fantastic to get to talk to Peter on the show. Uh, Peter's an extremely positive person. He's really easygoing. And as a guy with tremendous courage, it's not easy for someone relatively young to set up his own management consulting business. So he's got some fantastic words of wisdom all of us can benefit from. So without further ado, over to Peter and the show. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Andrew. I'd like also to greet you know, all our listeners, and I hope that you know by the end of this podcast, we'll be able to learn something out of this. Excellent. Thank you so much, Peter. Really, really great to have you on the show to come share your thoughts and experiences of accounting and finance with our listeners. I'd imagine they'd appreciate it if you maybe share briefly some of your story, how you got into accounting and finance, and perhaps how you ended up in your current role. Thank you very much. I would say that, you know, I fell into accounting probably by default. I never grew up having, you know, I never had that uh, proper career advice. My dad was an accountant, my elder brother was an accountant, and my other brother was an accountant. So for me, accounting was always the route to follow. And when I went to university, I chose to start accounting. I was, I was always told that, you know, accounting is the language of the business. So if it was the language of the business, then I thought, you know what, let me go for it. I started my career, I went to university in the United Kingdom, and then after I finished my degree, um, I worked with a firm of small accountants, where I was exposed to different clients who we were dealing with small uh, sole proprietors, we were dealing with limited companies, we were dealing with charitable organizations, we were dealing with partnerships, and I was involved, you know, in the crux of the financial accounting. I spent my years there for about three and a half years with the company, and then I left. I went into industry, and I joined a company called Allied PRA, where I was involved in management accounting. And uh, this is where I got exposed to the um, excitement of finance adding value to the business. At, the, at that time when I was in uh, practice, I was doing my uh, CIMA. And then uh, after I joined the management accounting, I then left and then went into, um, I went to South Africa. And then I became a, uh, started working as a financial controller and I was with the company for five and a half years. I finished that, I left that place this year in June. And then from there, I started running my own consulting strategy, as you have mentioned. It's like it's like you've got accounting in your blood. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that is fair to say. Yeah. 
And I suppose what really was the big difference for you when you ended up in industry and, and running your own business versus maybe when you started out? When I was in practice, I think the main focus was making sure that the, the numbers were correct. So it was, you know, more regulatory focused. You have to make sure that the, the set of financials that I'm presenting, they are up to the accounting standards. Uh, I was never really much into, into driving the performance of the business. But when I went into industry, then you are now trying to, you, you are now working on interpreting the meaning of those numbers. You are now, instead of just saying, okay, we have accumulated so much profitability, you now start asking questions. What is the drivers? What are the drivers behind that profitability? What are the drivers behind our revenues? Where are we going? Where can we improve? I was also then introduced, you know, to the concept of budgeting, forecasting, you know, and then you start, instead of having a fit mindset of saying, okay, we are only looking for the next 12 months, you start thinking beyond 12 months. So I think that was the most exciting thing about it. That That's quite a big step change. And, and I suppose now, given that there was so much change there, like what's exciting you most or at the moment about your current work? What's exciting me most about my current work is that um, no single day is the same. I'm involved, you know, I'm working with different uh, clients. I'm working with different, you know, there are different sizes, different organizations. One day I might be involved, you know, in providing business performance insights to, uh, to the decision makers or to the stakeholders. The other day I'm involved in finance um, process reviews, or the other day I'm involved in providing recommendations probably that, that are related to investment proposals or projects. So this is something that is really exciting. And one experience that you learn in one industry, you can always you know, take it to the next industry or you can always take it to the another client and then you build on that. And the fact also that um, finance has changed from the time that I started my career to today is just, you know, exciting that new things are happening and finance is now being involved in the business which was never the case before when we started because we were always regarded as you know the boring number crunchers in the back office but now finance you know we are playing the front row we are the front players we are making sure that you know our uh, business partners they've got accurate timely reliable information that they can use to make real strategic decisions yeah i couldn't agree with you more peter and that's why Maybe we fell into accounting and finance when we started off, but it's really a great place to be, a really great place where you can sort of have a rewarding career, make a real purposeful difference and really strong contribution to our organization's performances. So I'm glad you touched on that. I'm just trying to sort of think, though, you know, in terms of making that transition from practice to industry to running your own business to being on the front line, driving the business performance, like sort of what qualities or what ways have you had to develop yourself to to be even better at the role you're currently doing? I think I had you know to develop a learning habit. You know, uh, one of my mentors, I think uh, most of our listeners would know him. Um, his name is Gary Corkins. Um, I've come a long way, you know, uh, with Gary Corkins from the days I was back in the UK up to now, and um, he has always you know advised me or mentored me, you know, to be passionate about what I want to do. To always, you know, have an open mindset, be open to learn new things. Don't be, you know, an all it or no person. So I've taken that to heart and, um, I've always said, okay, fine. I'm coming from practice. This is a different industry. I'm going into, in, into industry. So what qualities can I bring, you know, into, in, uh, into industry? Of course, there is the soft skills, soft skills that are transferable and, um, you have to develop on that one. So you ask yourself, how am I going to develop? When I was in industry, I remember that if I want to improve my communication skills, I don't have to sit on my desk. I have to go and speak to the different business partners. 
engage with them, ask them what are their troubles, what are they, what do they expect from finance. As you as you build on that one, you are also developing your leadership skills. You're also delivering your developing your partnership skills. Then you leave and you go into industry. This is now a different into business, sorry. This is a different ballgame. You are used to getting uh, to getting a paycheck at the end of the month. But now with business, you don't know when your, your next paycheck is coming. So you then have to develop yourself like a fund. How am I going, you know, to get business? And this is where I think for me, the relationship skills are important. If you can manage a relationship with your prospective uh, client, you build on that one. You do it, you deliver the value. They are going definitely going to refer to the next person, and then the chain continues like that. At the same time, I've also learned that if I wanted, you know, to build relationships, why not be on LinkedIn, a platform where you know there are different professionals. You offer value, you offer back to the community. Somebody is definitely going to get in touch, and then you also it helps you in the long run. Fantastic advice. Uh, I'm very well articulated in how you progressed from one to the other and the way you ended it on there with relationships, even virtual ones on LinkedIn. So that's how we got connected. And one of the things that I'm really impressed with you, Peter, is your just willingness to offer a thought, an opinion in a very constructive way. And that's that's the thing that impresses me because by doing that, there's some articles I've written that I thought were really good. Just your comment has actually enhanced them even further. And people will see that. And if they'll put one and one together, they'll probably get a score of three because it's just improving the value of what everyone's reading out there. And then hopefully what we take away and go back and put into practice. So that's really great that you keep doing that. Just out of interest for those that maybe want to make the first steps with getting into LinkedIn and or even other social media platforms or building those relationships you were saying, uh, what's maybe perhaps some good first steps they can take? I've always believed that, you know, life is not a fixed journey. So as well as, you know, as building a profession or being on LinkedIn, for a start, open an account. Once you've opened an account, don't be focused too much on the number of connections that you're going to have. I know there's a difference, you know, some believe in the, um, in the power of high numbers, but I believe in the, you know, in the power of value. What am I getting from a person? So for me, what has worked especially for me is, um, when I'm, when I joined LinkedIn, I wanted to develop relationships with key people that I know that they're going to be helpful. Uh, my strategy is not to have as many, probably millions and thousands of followers. I want to keep that direct relationship. That's for a start. Who knows, maybe in future, you know, there will be, the growth will be that massive. But always, you know, know that what do you want to expect out of that, you know, social media platform? What are you there for? Are you there to engage with people? Or are you there to spread the noise? Or are you there to just to listen to the noise? And once you're on that platform, always look for people whom you feel that, you know, you're always going to, you know, you share an interest for a start. When I started for me, because I'm an accounting and finance professional, I wanted to connect more as well with people who are in accounting and finance so that I get to know from them. I don't believe that I'm an expert in everything that I know all. So I wanted to learn from them. And as you continue or as you progress, then your first connections they are going to refer you to their second connections and you build your network on that one. The same applies as well with, um, with Twitter. You have to be very, you know, there's a lot of noise that is happening out there, but do you really want to consume all that noise? So for me on Twitter, I also did follow the same strategy. I looked at the tip, the kind of people that I'm going to, that are going to enhance my career, the kind of people or organizations that I'm going to learn a lot from. And I follow those organizations first. And then I build on that one. 
Uh, some great, great practical steps there, Peter. And particularly how we can sort of build relationships, a very human activity, lever- leveraging technology that perhaps wasn't there when we started out in our careers. I, I was sort of curious, you know, we're talking a lot about human side of, of a very numbers driven, I suppose, profession. I sort of want to sort of maybe shift gears a bit to maybe look at some of the technological trends at the moment. And, and one in particular you've written a bit about was the potential of cognitive computing. I think you actually made the statement in one of your articles don't ignore the potential of cognitive computing. So I was just hoping for those listeners in our audience, maybe not as familiar with cognitive computing as others, could you perhaps maybe elaborate a bit more on what it is and why we shouldn't ignore it? Thank you very much, uh, Andrew, for mentioning the article that I wrote. As you have rightly said, that you know, um, technology is changing the face of accounting and finance. You know, It's different from the way uh, when we started. Everything was manual-based. I mean, remember, it was paper-based, and then it came to spreadsheets. And now we are, you know, we are living in the digital age, where some are actually calling it the fourth industrial revolution, where everything is digitally driven. And I believe that, you know, we shouldn't be ignoring it because there's actually potential. The face of finance is changing. As finance professionals, we are no longer the number crunchers, like I said before. We want to be seen as adding value. We want to be seen as partnering with the business. And what best way can we achieve that one is we have to leverage the new technologies. We are living as well in an age where the information, you know, there's a lot of data out there, big data. And this big data, you know, in the past, we would only make decisions based on the information that is in the corporate financial ERPs. But now we've got data outside. We are talking about social media data. We are talking about computer data. We are talking about mobile data. We are talking about sensors. We are talking about Internet of Things. All these data, you know, there's an opportunity to mine insights from that data. So now, if you are going to rely or to depend on manual spreadsheets, it is going to take us probably forever just, you know, to combine that data, to consolidate that data, to store that data. And this is where cognitive technology is coming. Um, cognitive technology, just, you know, to define in a simple way, you know, it is a branch of these are super highly powered computers. They are algorithm driven and they help to, you know, to process complex information in a matter of seconds. They combine, you know, all the sources of information. They can combine the things that is coming from the internet, from your social media, from your mobile applications, from your sensors, from your internal ERPs. And then they can combine that information together. And once they've combined information together, they can deduce patterns in split seconds. But the good thing about this cognitive computing, especially artificial intelligence, is that the human, you know, the, the computers, they actually train like a human. They learn from the human. They, you know, you feed the computer with raw data and then they can learn from the human. They can pick up the patterns. So all those repetitive, all those, you know, routine transition processes, you know, we dread to do. The computer can actually do it for us. I'll give you an example, you know, the application of artificial intelligence. Not only is it, is it being applied in finance, in the legal fraternity, it's also being applied. Imagine, you know, all the regulations that are there. Artificial intelligence, what it does, it studies all the, the cases that are out there. All the regulations that a human being can take probably months and years if they have to do it manually. And then it can identify trends. And then it can identify, then it can identify trends, it can identify patterns. Some of investment, uh, investment industry, artificial intelligence is also being applied. What it does, they study all the data. You feed the computer with the data. It deduces all the information about the market, about companies, 
the work that investment analysts are doing to write reports. And then it can write or it can tell you which is the best, you know, investment to go for. So I think we shouldn't be ignoring this cognitive computing in the area of finance. As we know, finance, there is a lot of transaction data that is involved. And we cannot spend more time trying to make sure that this data is correct, trying to make sure that this data is clean. What we need is, you know, to spend more time in analytical stuff, on value-adding stuff. And this is where I'm let's not ignore it. Take, for example, robotics. Robotics, what you can do is, I'll give an example of, um, of a software that I like more. It's a black line. Black line, what it does is it can help you to automate all these routine process that I'm talking about, which means you can close your, um, your month and period, and your month and period closer very fast. For instance, come month and we know all finance professionals, they work late hours, they work long hours, they go home very late. But with robotics, you can process all the repetitive tasks your journals that you need to know. You can process all incoming invoices. You can automate them. You can override, you know, all the invoices that are overdue. You can automate that. And once you automate that, come the end of the month, you all know that you're only going to be doing maybe a few, 15%, 10% of what you're normally supposed to be doing the month end. And then you close your books maybe two days, three days, four days. And then the rest of the time you are now focusing on what? On analyzing the books. Then you talk of blockchain. This blockchain um, is redefining, you know, the transaction model for many businesses. Uh, what blockchain does is it leaves a digital trace of all the transactions that you know, that you have processed. And in finance, it's very important because we always have to leave an audit trail. This will help to prevent any fraud that might arise because there is a digital trail. Once that digital trail is there with blockchain, with blockchain nobody can erase it. And I think it's a good thing for us because you don't have to go again and start sitting through a lot of paperwork, a lot of manuals, just to see where is the audit trail coming from. Then we also talk about cloud computing. This cloud computing, I think what is really good about it as well is that as finance professionals, we need to spend more time adding value. Cloud computing, the old ERP systems that we've had before, what they have not done for us is what cloud computing is doing for us. We have spent so much money, upfront costs, in you know, in implementing and maintaining these old legacy systems. But with these new systems now, you run them as software as a service or maybe as an infrastructure as a service. So you only pay for what you are using, or you only pay for it. You only pay for a person. And in this case, you are also reducing your costs. But then at the same time, you are increasing your process efficiencies. You are improving your cost efficiencies. They are leaving more time, you know, to do the analytical stuff that I think is really, really important. That's quite comprehensive, Peter. It's really where I don't, I don't think anyone after listening to you really has any excuse to continue ignoring these cognitive computing technologies. And you mentioned a book as well, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. I think it was by Klaus Schwab. I highly recommend people read that as well. I think it's essential reading now. We actually want to understand better these technologies and the way you've articulated it there i love the way you've linked it back with our profession in a very clear manner so as i said i don't think we can ignore these anymore just maybe sort of thinking the other side of the coin you're i guess fairly optimistic about these i like the way that will free up time potentially for us to go analyze the numbers so we can take those to the business with so they can make better 
business decisions and ultimately lead to more successful outcomes for our business partners and our organizations. But then again, I think in the other side of the coin is where we've got some instances where there could be some challenges with maybe adopting these technologies. Are there any sort of challenges in your mind that we need to be mindful of or, or should we even fear these technologies? I don't think, you know, um, we should uh, we should fear these technologies, you know. Uh, of course, you know, there's always, there are going to be challenges, you know, in terms of implementing this, um, these technologies. As I say that, you know, we are now living, you know, in a digital world and, you know, data-driven world. So one of the challenges I think that we'll probably have to deal with is, you know, is in terms of the data governance, you know, in terms of the data integration. Most finance professionals are still, or most finance organizations, they are still running on um, legacy systems. These systems are not able, you know, to communicate with these new, uh, with these new technologies. So I think this is where one of the challenges that, you know, we're going to face in terms of inter- integration and how we can overcome this challenge is I think, you know, finance needs to work. No longer have to look at this, look at this from a finance perspective only, but from an outcome perspective. This is no longer a function, you know, a finance function. This is no longer only for finance, but it is for the greater cause of the organization. And I, I think this is where finance now has to learn to, you know, to learn together with the IT people. They have to partner with IT. I think IT partner with finance because the, the two speak the different languages. But finance speak to IT in the language of business that IT will understand, tell them that, okay, we want to achieve one, two, or three. And then IT will then also say, okay, fine, are we, are we able to achieve this or are we not able to achieve this? So, but I think data is going to be, um, just one of the challenges. The other challenge I think that we must also just be wary of is, um, as I've said that, you know, these, uh, machines, they are algorithm or they are powered by algorithms. Let's not forget that, you know, it is a human being who's coding these algorithms. So can we uh, accurately trust the code? We have heard of cases, you know, especially with Facebook or with Microsoft, where they've, you know, tried to test artificial intelligence programs and then the projects they failed because they were not performed. The smart machines, as some are calling them, were not performing what they intended to be performed. So I think those are some of the issues that we have to be worried of. And then, of course, the other concern or the other challenge that we have to be prepared for is in terms of data security. Yes, we are going to benefit, you know, in terms of process efficiencies, in terms of, you know, customer enhancement, in terms of employee productivity. But let's, as I said, this is all dealing with data. And these machines, they consume massive, massive, massive amounts of data. And if we are to have a data breach, what are the implications on the company? What are the implications on the individuals that we are holding the data for, for example, the customers, if we deal with customer-sensitive data? So those are some of the issues I think that we have to be very, very, you know, to consider as we implement these new technologies. And actually, if, if we're thinking about it, and the way you've described it, we actually have the training already to do this. It's not really having to develop new skills. It's maybe looking at things in a slightly different way to what we have been and applying our existing skills into these spaces. Definitely. I agree with you. Definitely. Yes. Um, I think, yeah, we have been, you know, we have the skills that, you know, we have developed over the years as we were training and application is where it matters most. If we cannot apply, it, we'll not be able to achieve what we want to achieve. Got to step it up a gear. We'll move into our lightning question round. If you were looking back and you were to give some advice, perhaps to your younger self when you were starting out in, in accounting and finance, uh, what sort of advice would you give? I would actually advise myself, you know, 
never to be afraid of failure, never to be afraid, you know, to grab an opportunity when once it presents itself. Um, these days, you know, you you know, a professional career journey, I don't think it's as linear as you want it to be, or there's a normal distribution where you say, I'm going to start my career as an accounts assistant, and in the next three years, I'll become probably a financial accountant. In the next four years, I'll become an accountant or financial controller and eventually being a CFO of the company. I think with the way, as you know, what we're just talking about now, how technology is changing, you know, the, the look of finance. And it's no longer, you know, enough just to have deep finance knowledge. Of course, it's too important, but you also need, you know, to borrow from other fields. So if you are never to be afraid, you are going to be able, you know, to grab any opportunity. If an opportunity presents to you to go and get experience in another line of business, be it marketing, be it sales, I would say grab that opportunity with both hands. Unfortunately for me, I never got that opportunity to work in another um, function. I've always worked in finance. But I believe that, you know, if I'd worked in another function, be it marketing, sales, business development, or operations, I would be a better finance professional than I'm currently today. And, you know, they also, they also say that, you know, experience is the best teacher in life. And I believe that the more you embrace yourself or the more you engage yourself in this new um in these other opportunities, you are going to, at some stage, you are going to realize that what is it that I love most to do and what is it that I'm skilled to do. And once you, you know, you have pinpointed that area that you are very skilled and that you love to do, that you are passionate about, you, you are going to grab it and then you're going to develop on it and then you could work on it and then you become an expert in that area. So rotation is key. Great advice, Peter couldn't agree anymore there's no better teacher than experience and um, it's, it's one of those old sayings that's the test of time i suppose that that's very good practical advice just thinking perhaps if there was a book uh, an audio book that you'd recommend to listeners for them to go check out what book would you recommend uh, when i joined the industry one of the books that my, i remember my manager gave me a uh, copy of the book was um good to great by jim collins for me at the time, it didn't make any sense why, you know, I'm working in finance and you're giving me a book, Go to Great, by Jim Collins. But, you know, as I started reading the book and as my career progressed and when I also reflect, I now realize why he gave me that, you know, Go to Great. For me, uh, I think Go to Great, you know, it presents a solid foundation, you know, of what makes a company move from a low-hanging fruit, if you might want to say, call it that way, to an admired brand or to a greater company. Sometimes we can be comfortable with where we are. But I think, you know, being comfortable with where we are is not what we want as finance professionals. You know, there's always a saying that, you know, that finance is always the last to embrace technology or to embrace you know, new systems, new processes. We have to aspire to be great. And although, you know, good to great looks mostly at the companies, you know, that have moved, that have shifted from good to great, I think it also helps at the personal level in the sense that, you know, the principles are applicable. For example, you know, it talks about leadership, what makes great leadership. Uh, it talks about, you know, discipline. And talking about leadership, you know, it talks about that, you know, great leaders, they ask questions, they do not have answers. And I think in this world that we are living of big data, of digital transformation, the best professionals, accounting and finance professionals, and the best organizations are not going to be the ones that have got all the answers, but are going to be the ones with an inquisitive mind who are curious about the future 
who are always going to be asking questions. Where can, what can we do to improve? Where are we going? What are the emerging trends? What are the emerging risks? What are we prepared for them? How best should we prepare for them? What are the new technologies? What does the future for finance look like? So asking all those questions, I think will help you, you know, as accounting professionals to be good, you know, to move from good to great. So that's why I like good to great. What a great analogy. Yes, I, I like that idea of asking better questions and not necessarily needing all the answers, but the process of answering the questions will lead us along that path of moving from good to great. Again, highly recommend it. And I'll include links to these books and resources that we're mentioning on today's show in the show notes, which you can find at our website, sitnshow.com. Before we sort of start finishing up, Peter, would there be sort of any other advice that you could perhaps give to other accounting and finance professionals maybe to focus on for the next 12 months uh, to maybe get ahead some of the changes we talked earlier about, build for a, a better future so we can go from good to great? You know, as I said, you know, uh, we talked about, you know, cognitive computing, you know, and also artificial intelligence, where we say that, you know, that these technologies are simulating the human thinking. There's also some, you know, I'm not sure whether it's fear-mongering that is out there where they're saying that, you know, technology is going to flush out all humans, you know, in all white collar jobs. <laughs> and you might, you know, you might receive that fear and you start asking yourself, like, am I going to be relevant? What am I going to do? But one thing I, I love about these, you know, technologies is they can augment the human. So it's for the human and the smart machines working, you know. We still need um, that creative thinking. I don't think, you know, we're at a stage where these machines can have got that creative thinking that, you know, that human intelligence that is needed, that emotional intelligence, that empathy that, you know, that is provided by the human. So I would say, you know, for the next 12 months, if you are an accounting and, you know, and finance professional, embrace the change in all its forms. Do not be afraid. I know change is very difficult for everyone, but embrace the change. Also focus on professional development. One way that I always try, you know, to help myself to make sure that I remain relevant is I listen to webinars. I attend seminars. I attend workshops. I, um, I read white papers. I read books. A few weeks ago, here in South Africa, there was a financing daba. It was a two-day program, you know, it was a meeting of all the finance professionals. For me, it was really enlightening because I get to know the new technologies that are coming. I got to know, to meet, you know, different finance professionals, they share their story with you. So be focused on your professional development. Don't say that because I qualified two years, three years, four years ago, that's it, I'm done. It doesn't mean that, you know, for you to continue with professional life, you have to go back again to school to get another degree, to get another certificate. I love what Warren Buffett says. Warren Buffett says he spends a day reading. On a typical day, he reads about 500 pages. And for me, you know, that is a useful skill that you can master. You can might not start with reading 500 pages a day, but maybe two pages, three pages, you know. You learn something, you apply it. There's a difference in accumulating knowledge and applying that knowledge. Apply in, in bits and pieces. Accumulate knowledge in bits and pieces and then apply that knowledge. Once you apply that knowledge, you're going to, you know, that's the way that you can add value. But as, as I've always said, you know, that we have to embrace change. We have to develop a commercial awareness. Make it, you know, your goal for the next 12 months. Okay. If I've been regarded as a, as a historical looking person, now these next 12 months, how about I change my mindset? How about I change my perspective? Uh, instead of looking only what is happening within the business, let me develop a great an outer mindset. Let me develop, be interested in the economic 
in the economic policies, in the economics of the, you know, of the world. How is it going to affect my journey? How is it going to act as a professional accountant, as a finance professional? Be forward-looking. Collaborate more with the business. Engage more. Don't be comfortable, you know, sitting on your desk, number crunching the spreadsheets. Go out there. Engage more with your business partners. Ask meaningful questions. Form conversations with them. I think that will help us, you know, in the next 12 months. But at the same time, I think embrace change as it comes, especially technology. Find ways, how am I going to leverage these new technologies to improve my company's business model? How am I going to, to leverage these new technologies to improve efficiencies? I mean, if we are to look at what is happening today, for me, I believe in future, the companies that are able to leverage, you know, data, analytics, and all these new technologies will separate, you know, the winners from the losers. It's no longer a way of saying, you know, there's another book that also, you know, I like about, uh, I think it's uh, Marshall Goldsmith who says, what got you here won't get you there. The practices that got us here for where we are today, I don't believe they are the same practices that will take us, you know, into the future of where we want to be, you know, we want to be regarded as strategic business partners, as value adders, which is where we want to be invited, you know, to sit on the table and provide strategic advice. So we have to embrace changes that come. Peter, that's a great way to start looking to wrap up the show. Can't keep standing still. We've got to keep moving forward. And what got us where we are today isn't necessarily going to be the strengths or skills that are going to get us to where we need to go tomorrow. But regardless, a good platform to work from and build from. And that's really what we put the show together for, is give people insight in terms of how to leverage what we have today and then build on our strengths in the numbers into the future. So, Peter, if people are interested in be connecting with you and learning some more about you, what's the best way they can reach out and find you? I am on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, they can just search me as Peter Chisambara, and then my profile will pop through there. They can follow me there, uh, where I publish articles, some of which that you have mentioned. I am also um, on Twitter. On Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at ERPM Insights. That's uh, for my company. They can find me there on Twitter. And then I also have my personal website, which is um, www.erpminsights.com. So this is for the business. They can, there's a blog as well there where I normally post articles. Some of the articles that I post on LinkedIn, uh, they are not on my blog. And there are articles that are on my blog that are not on my LinkedIn. So they can also get uh, to connect with me there. Thank you very much, Peter. And again, a very thoughtful time I spent with you. I've actually felt like I've learned loads myself and I thought I knew a little bit about this area. I feel like I've left now with some probably knowing a bit more, but also uh, armed with some more questions to keep asking. So thank you so much for provoking those thoughts in us and investing the time in this show to share your thoughts and experiences with our audience. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you very much, Andrew. I'd also like to thank for giving me this opportunity to share my journey. And as I've said, I'm also here to learn. I don't regard myself, you know, as an expert. And I think, you know, the only way that we can grow is when we impart knowledge on one another. So I really thank you for that. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.